Good morning, everybody. It's Thursday, the 2nd of February, 2023. It's Iconic CEO, Jamie Icke, and this is today's daily download. So I hope everybody is well. We've got a few interesting stories for you today, some positive, actually, which I'm quite excited to share. But we're not going to start on them, unfortunately. So we spoke a little bit earlier in the week about the cost of living crisis, which seems to be, you know, spreading across the world. But obviously, my experience of it and the stories that I'm seeing are here in the UK. So we're going to look at that. We've spoken about energy prices. I think that was yesterday and how the wholesale price is fixed. So if the so basically they charge what they want effectively. So there's a story today about interest rates, which is obviously related to banking, affects things like mortgages, affects people that have loans and various other things. And then another one is to do with water bills and the increase of that, uh, which puts it at an almost 20 year high. Now, so we'll start with the interest rates. Now, interest rates, obviously, it's a bit of an, it's an interesting one because I don't believe in the fractional reserve banking system. I think the idea that banks and institutions lend money they don't have and then charge interest on it when there's never enough money in the system to pay it back. And therefore, people having their houses repossessed, people having their cars repossessed and losing everything that they have, that's built into the system. Now, to explain that, I'm sure many of you understand, for most of you understand, but just to explain that, basically, people losing their livelihoods is built into the system. If all the banks and lenders called in all the debt that exists internationally today, there isn't enough cash in circulation for all of that debt to be paid back. Therefore, some people aren't going to be able to pay it back, not necessarily through their own fault, because there literally isn't the money there to pay it back. The fractional reserve lending system, which basically means if I give, if you give me a pound and I'm a bank, I have the right to lend £10. That £9 doesn't exist. That £9 is credit. It's debt. It doesn't actually exist. So when I ask you to pay it back, if I do that to every single customer, there isn't literally isn't enough money to pay it back. But interest rates in this context, what they're going to affect massively is they're going to affect mortgages. Now, we've already seen that there's a massive number of people that are going to default on their mortgages, which means they literally can't afford to pay them back. People are going to end up having their houses repossessed. They're going to get behind. They're going to have awful credit ratings, which is going to affect them for the rest of their lives. That's actually happening now. That's before this rise in interest rates. So to compare what this will actually mean for everyday people. So December 2021 Average, so three different types of mortgage, fixed, tracker, and variable. Fixed is obviously fixed. Variable is very variable. Tracker is somewhere in the middle. Variable rates change depending to the to the interest rates. So the average tracker customer is paying £382 more a month now than they were pre-December 2021. That's absolutely terrifying. And the average variable is paying 240 more. That's an insane amount of money. Some people... A lot of people, hence why people are defaulting, literally can't afford that. You know, £382 a month, that's £100 a week. For a family of four, that's your food shopping. So it's, it's clear that this is again part of the agenda to cripple people financially. The whole, you'll own nothing and be happy. We've had this conversation a few times um, privately where the idea that they you know, take everything that you have now and rent it back to you. You won't own it, but you'll still have it. Da, 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 da. Most people would turn that down now, but you cripple people to the point that they can't have what they have now. And then you return with that same offer 
you know, that BMW that's on the drive, that four bedroom house that you've got that you can't afford anymore to own privately, well, we'll have it off you and we'll rent it back for you, back to you. That's all of a sudden gonna sound a lot more attractive than it does right now. And in my opinion, this cost of living crisis, which is affecting everything from household bills to your food shop, to now your mortgage payments, that's all part of the plan to cripple people financially. You know, what was considered a good salary and a safe, stable salary, either individually or for a household in this country and the world, it seems, it certainly isn't now. And the, the gap is massive. You know, I remember the I remember when I moved to Derby in 2016, the average salary in Derby was £28,000 a year. Now, that in this city was a really good salary. You know, the average price for an apartment was 500, 550. You could have a good life on that salary. Now you'd struggle to get by on the same salary, which is just goes to show how much the price of everything has risen. And I'm just talking about the essentials here, food, shelter, water, and things like that. I'm not talking about, you know, going out, having a social life, going out for drinks, going out for meals, being part of sports clubs, all those things that have also massively risen in cost. It's quite astonishing that there isn't more uprising, there isn't more resistance to this because it's gonna to get to the point when people literally can't do anything. They can't afford to pay their mortgages, they can't afford to go out. And that then in turn, people can't afford to go out, that's then gonna impact the income of the hospitality industries it already has. If COVID didn't kill them, then this certainly will which then affects the people that own and run them, which then affects the people that work for them, which then affects the, their ability to pay their mortgages. And this just goes around in a vicious circle. And the fact that we've got uh, a government here in the UK, in a way, who are doing absolutely nothing about that, when they're meant to be a conservative government, they're meant to be the government that are competent when it comes to the economy. Oh, that's what the claim is, anyway. That just It just goes to show how disillusioned and disenfranchised, I should say the people are becoming with that government because they're not helping them. They're doing nothing. They're not doing their job. Instead, they're giving all our money to Ukraine and worrying too much about ticking boxes. So we're going to head over to the US for this story. Um, this actually is from the Sydney Morning Herald down in Australia. US to boost military presence in the Philippines as fears over Taiwan grow. Now this is again, yeah, we've spoken about the geopolitical game between the US, the West and Russia. Well, this is the same thing. It's between the US and China. Now, China have obviously really stepped up their military infrastructure in the South China Sea and in the um, Indian Ocean in the last few years. They've got military bases overseas for the first time in Afri African countries like Djibouti and so on. Now, clearly the US don't like this. The US act like the world's military. They've got bases in over 140 countries. They're the country that are permanently at war since World War II, it seems. They're the only country, military in the world, to use a nuclear weapon in that part of the world, actually, in Japan, twice. So, if I'm honest, I'm not surprised that countries like China are looking to build up a military presence in that area. They probably don't want the US anywhere near them. Now, please do not take that as an endorsement of China. That's absolutely not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that if the US are going to go and put military bases everywhere in the world, and, you know, on the doorstep of these countries in countries like South Korea, Japan, then I can understand why, uh, for their own security, they're fighting back. It's the same principle as, as Putin not wanting Ukraine to join NATO. So 
Taiwan is an interesting one. So Taiwan wants to become its own its own state. It, they don't recognize that they're part of China. China say they are. There was obviously some conflict a few uh, months ago where there were some missiles fired towards Taiwan, not at them, but towards them by the Chinese military. And it just ties into this arrogance. Who dictates who's in charge and who owns a certain bit of land? If the Taiwanese want to be their own you know, separate country, they want their own system, they want their own democracy, and they don't want to come under Chinese communist rule. That's their prerogative. That is their prerogative. And this just goes to show the hypocrisy. And I'm going to compare this here to the uh, part of now Russia, and I'm going to recognise it as Russia, Crimea. So in Crimea, which is obviously a, was part of Ukraine, there was a referendum. Now there is questions, uh, now the question is being asked by the mainstream media, so who knows? But there is questions about the legitimacy of the referendum that was held there. But a referendum was held there and the overwhelming majority in the 90% voted to jo rejoin Russia. Ukraine didn't, you know, didn't recognise that and actually from the stories persecuted those people. So Russia came in and took it back without much of a fight, really. Now, the international community, the West, let's say, does not recognise that legitimacy. They say it's occupied. They don't say that referendum had any validity and so on. Yet in Taiwan, it's a similar principle. The Taiwanese have voted and said they want to be their own country. China have said it will be part of China. And the entire Western world are siding with Taiwan. To me, it just feels like the same kind of thing, but just the hypocrisy of it. China are the enemy. That's the point uh, that they're trying to do. And this is probably another example of them trying to poke, poke them into some form of conflict. Um, the US have a massive military presence in pretty much every country around the world and they're the ones that are permanently at war. So the idea that they are some beacons for peace is quite astonishing. Now we're going to stick with the military, but this is a completely different story. And this is from the RAF in Britain. And this I find as a, a really positive story. So the RAF have been exposed for breaking employment law with a policy to prioritise job requests from minorities and women. This is what a latest report has said. Now, if that, that's positive discrimination, completely. Now, I believe that racism, discrimination, of course it exists. I also believe that we've reached a point where it, it exists more the other way around. The report goes on to say the Royal Air Force broke employment law when it attempted to favour female and ethnic minority candidates over white men. Now, that's, that's astonishing. If that was the other way around, that would be front page news in every single newspaper. But I've really had to look to find this story today. Positive discrimination exists. Of course it does. Being a straight white man, you're persecuted. And being a straight white woman, you're not far behind. You're persecuted just for the, the fact that you are that. You're punished for people of the past. You you know, you're expected to apologise constantly for, for things that your predecessors did. You know, I've never had any involvement with slavery. I never would. Yet, the fact people are still asked to apologise for it. It's astonishing to me. Um, and the fact that, that, that this is actually coming out now, I only see as a positive thing. Because I have no doubt that companies do this constantly. I remember looking on the BBC website at their careers page and they said that their aspiration was to have 25% LGBT managers by 2030. 
Now, the LGBT community, whatever you think of them, don't represent 25% of the population. They don't. There's not 20. They, they don't make up 25% of the population. So in order to achieve that aim, you're going to have to positively discriminate against people and you're going to have to promote people that are probably not right for the job. Now, I want to look at this twofold. I, can, I could complain about this from my perspective, but I'm going to look at it from this perspective. If I was one of those minorities and I was in that job, I would be questioning whether I got the job because I was the best candidate for it or whether I got the job because of the colour of my skin, because of my political affiliation, because of my gender, because of my sexual orientation. And that was, I'd find that offensive because effectively you're being treated like you have a disability. Being a woman, being a minority, being gay, that's not a disability. We're told it's, it's you know, we need to be accepting and this is how things are and this is normal and this is life. Okay, then as long as people and employers and institutions start acting like that as well. You can't go around saying that this has to be accepted. You're, you're shoving pride down everybody's throat and then turn around at the same time and prioritise these people because they need support in employment. That doesn't work because you can't expect us to treat them exactly the same and then if you're going to treat them as if they've got disabilities. If I was part of that community, I'd be completely offended and, and, and horrified by this law. You should get jobs based on the fact you are the best candidate for the job. And that goes across every single industry across the world. If you're prioritising people because of their gender, um, ethnicity and so on, then firstly, that's a dangerous precedent, especially for a military. Surely the military, you want the best candidates for the job for the sake of safety. But in any job, surely every employer just wants the best person for the job and they don't discriminate against whoever that might be. You want the best person for the job. But with rules like this, and I, as I said, I have no doubt these go across most institutions, particularly government ones, civil service ones. You're going to end up with people in positions they're not, they're not you know, capable of doing. And you're going to end up losing people that are, that are very good at these jobs purely because they don't have a face that fits. But the positive side is that this is being talked about for the first time because it's one of those things that we've all known it's been going on for a long time but it's not been discussed and it's good to see that it now is so we're just going to finish on a nice inspirational quote for the day and this is from amal clooney be courageous challenge orthodoxy stand up for what you believe in when you're in the rocking chair talking to your grandchildren many years from now be sure that you have a good story to tell. I hope you've enjoyed this morning's episode and I'll catch up with you tomorrow morning on Friday for the final one of the week. I shall see you soon. Bye for now.